right, guys, we are back with the 443 Football Podcast. Reese, one hell of a week this week, am I right? So many big games, uh, so many results. Matt? We first got to go to uh, the Etihad. Yeah, only one place to start. Liverpool away at Manchester City, 1-1 draw. Matt, what was your immediate reaction, man? So I came in at the end of this. uh, Let me see where it was. I came at the 43rd minute with Foden made an amazing miss that I thought was going to get them Mm 2-0. I turned on the TV at that point at minute 43, right before the half. And then the second half was just a tense duel where Alexander Arnold or Trent Alexander Arnold was able to get a 79th minute equalizer. It's basically a game of chess. Yeah. Because um, I, I didn't watch the game, but I actually watched the full replay that later that night after mm-hmm. I was off of work. And two things. Basically, the, the game, game came down to two different types of play styles. Uh, City had more of a balance buildup played through pools very um they didn't play quick but they didn't play slow it was just a balanced sort of a a, uh pretty much cut through them like butter most of the game too and then for pools they were having quick forward runs liverpool at at, like what they do best with the long with their pressing um honestly i thought the first 20 minutes were fantastic football very back and forth i had to rewatch that um and get caught up to where i was yeah but honestly man it was a good game to start out i wish it would just start a little bit later in the morning for sure i i don't understand how you leave the biggest game uh, of the weekend to the first slate of a saturday um if you want to maximize your viewing party in east coast well in the east coast and in the uk and europe that's a good time but even English fans themselves weren't happy with it being a little bit earlier. Yeah. Like this is like a this is no, like, I get you. in the NFL. This is like a Sunday nighter in a sense. Yeah. No, and I, I totally get that. But like I was just kind of trying to play yeah. devil's advocate there because no, it's I like gotcha. when I was on the East Coast, this had been a great time to have a ten thirty lunch pint and enjoy <laughs> the game. <laughs> so I'd say for the first fifteen minutes, it was pretty much all Manchester City. Um, I think. What's cool about Bernardo Silva, he was the player of the first half, arguably one of the players of the game. He was insane. And Rodgers back to his metronome. Exactly. One of the... That they were lacking in the last couple games. Yeah. Um, that just kind of changed the face of this one a little bit and made it kind of an even draw. Yeah. So there was two two types of uh, pressing tactics that Pep had. One would be, you know, Erling Haaland... Julian Alvarez, Phil Foden kind of doing like a triangle push, overloading the ball side depending on which side they were on. Doku or Foden would be the ones with Holland and Alvarez pressing. The other press <laughs> was just him sending Bernardo Silva from the eight spot just directly at the center back of Van Dyke. Suicide run? <laughs> Dude, and it's insane because it's so effective. Like it was it's a perfect trap because he is the best pressing machine in world football. But what did you think of that Holland goal? I thought so, it was really clean. Dude. I mean, there's really nothing I mean, else to unfortunately say. unfortunately, it got overshadowed by some of the amazing goals we saw happen this <laughs> rest of the weekend. But I thought it was a great way to start the weekend. I wish I said I missed it to, like, a yeah. live game. Early shout-out to Garnacho. We'll, we'll, we'll give you your flowers later, man. But uh, Oh, I was speaking of another goal. Which one? We'll give them the flowers. We'll, we'll now. G- okay. I'll, give them, I'll talk about it later on. So... I mean, Both those goals were better, but... For sure, know. for sure. Erling Holland, uh, 50 games, or 48 games, 50 Premier League goals. Quickest Fast player to do get there. We put him in our chalked top five list, but that was one of our more serious top fives, that he mm-hmm. is a already top yeah, five Premier he, League striker. To me, you can't take him out of the conversation of top three. Yeah. He has to be there. He is a top five Premier League striker yeah. of all time, mm-hmm. hands down, and I think... I think top three. Yeah, I mean... At, at, at the very least, because if he yeah. finishes out his contract and he continues with this pace, if oh, he beats sure. his own record next yeah. year, be that or 
his the fastest to 100 or something. Like he could break Alan Shearer's record in his contract, which yeah. is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd say first half, a much-deserved lead for City. Uh, if it was up to me for the full game as itself, I'd probably say that City deserved the win. Uh, they won the XG battle, but I did think that Liverpool deserved their goal. Mm-hmm. I just think City deserved a two or three. No, I can I can see on that. So when I What I caught in the first half, it looked like City just had waves and waves of attack at the end. Yep. Um, there, I remember the Foden goal because I thought it went in at first. Yeah, I turned it. on the TV and I thought Foden scored mm-hmm. um, because it was one of those things like the TV's booting up, the apps loading, and you know, uh, and then there was another one right after that. I remember we missed him in Alvarez maybe where yeah. it looked like they were going to score again right before the halfway and go two zero into the half. Did you think uh, this was one of Salah's? Not not one of Salah's days. Pretty much, it didn't seem like he was on his. Game. I didn't really notice him in the game. Yeah. Um, I was I gonna be honest with you, I kinda I knew he was there, but I didn't really he didn't stand out to me. You, good was, or bad. I didn't see any errors, yeah. but I also didn't see any magic. It was a prime it's not like a prime solid game where we expect him because he historically has been fantastic against versus City. against City. So uh again something one of those games I feel like when you're in such a huge game like that you can dust off and move on. One of the interesting battles, uh, I saw a lot of Liverpool fans saying that uh Trent had uh doku in his pockets uh which honestly for the first half doku was destroying him i don't really see the pocket portion i think it's recency bias that they at the end of the game because i agree with you after on the rewatch doku had like three amazing runs in the first half and he was essential to that froden goal or attempt and he was also in there disrupting everything he had two guys on him when they went on at the last push of the game or push, push of the first half sorry now, uh, let's jump into the second half. Um, I don't think I watched, I paid attention enough to the second half, but what from, from, from what I saw, it was much similar to the first half, but a little bit more Liverpool settling yeah. into the game. Liverpool got, you know, I think it was equal on the attacks yeah. from what I saw. It just seemed more like a back and forth, and then Trent got lucky. Yeah. Not Well, Trent didn't get lucky. I mean, to dis- dismiss what he did. Um, it was a good shot, but it, was it a felt to him in a way that you know that yeah. wasn't like, it wasn't a build up. It wasn't a but it just of, to me was yeah. just in the same series of back and forth yep. with little penetration into actually making goal scoring attempts, and it just came out of like maybe a better save because came out of nowhere. Yeah, it was a good shot. It just kind of just looked like the previous like couple plays back and forth. You did not think that Liverpool were going to be the one to equalize yeah. based on how the game was going. Yeah, I it agree. just looked like City had put that stranglehold on him. It was just kind of holding him, you know, going in. Trying to like just get a one nil going into the win the game. So uh, I don't know if you saw, but at the end of the game, uh, Darwin Nunez went up to have a chat with Pep Guardiola. Did you see that? Can, can you explain this to me? Because I've seen a lot of memes of people putting top hats and bon- monocles on him. <laughs> like, can you tell me exactly what happened? There was so much that happened this weekend. I missed some of the stuff around the game. Matt, I watched the whole game. I don't know why Darwin was so bad. I, I don't know what happened. I may have missed a portion of something maybe Pep or Darwin had said to one another. But, dude, they go up next to each other at the end after... Did he push Pep? No, there was no pushing. Oh, okay. They. Sh- so at first, Guardiola goes to shake his hand, and then Darwin Nunez just starts pointing at him like he did something wrong. So I don't know if it was something in-game that I may have missed. Uh, guys, let us know, because yeah. very, very... Uh, uh, Odd interaction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not surprising for Darwin, because he's just one of those types of guys to do those sorts of things. But, like, 
Especially Pep. I was like, what the hell? What are you talking most, to me most, for? Most opposing players like want to hug the man. Yeah, and if anything... Shake his hand, ask him for tips. If anything, you're talking trash to the other players, yeah. not to the coach himself. Especially one of the greatest coaches of all time. Like, yeah. There's nothing Pep could have said that was that wrong. No. Uh, so Unless it was tell your mother hello. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry. You, no, you're good, you're good. Who do you think uh, walked away with... I don't want to say who won the game, but like, who do you think walks away happier? Do you think it is Liverpool? Or I think, think Liverpool is happier with the yeah. draw because it's sure. honestly with the higher XG and everything. I it probably should have been two one or two yep. 0 to City for sure. Um, them getting the one nil, especially with unfortunately this Liverpool team is kind of like the opposite of a team Arsenal team mm-hmm. where Arsenal's attack is stalled and their and Liverpool's defense is stalled, but they're very good at what they're good at. Yeah, and. You saw how those two things, one being probably better. Because City kind of is in between those. They have a great defense and a great offense. But Liverpool have an excellent offense and Arsenal have an excellent defense. And both those were able to neutralize them, uh, that team. But, you know, just they were cutting through them like hot knife through butter at parts of the game. Yeah. You were just like, oh my god, how did they not score there? I didn't think Liverpool's performance was necessarily no, it wasn't bad, bad at all. Um, I think it was it was a decent performance, especially against a strong City side mm-hmm. like that. I think they fielded pretty much one of their better yeah. 11s if, if they could field. If I was on the pitch, I would be disappointed. If I was a City player, if I was a Liverpool player, I'd be pumping my fist in the air. I wouldn't yeah. be going to you know out to the pubs or anything. But you wouldn't do what Deserby did over yeah. the weekend. We'll jump in no a little bit later. <laughs> uh, now, for City, uh, I want to give a shout-out to Ederson. Um, this this is... I don't think it should be a hot take, but it may be a hot take. Ederson is the greatest ball-distributing goalie of all time. Uh, in terms of what he can do with, with the ball at his feet uh, is just insane. Um, you know, you, you hear, like, the age-old thing when fans are like, whoa, when, like, the, when the goalkeeper gets the ball. I never feel rattled when he has the ball. Even when... There was a game last season, or maybe it was against you guys in the uh, Community Shield. I can't remember. I don't know if it was last season or this season. But there was a ball that was basically rolling across the goal line. And I don't know if it was Jota or one of your guys' players that came running at him. And the guy still clears it off the line and just was not rattled. I just feel that he is basically another center back or another outplaying... uh, uh, He can use his hands in the box. Yeah, he's another outfield player for this team. When When they're playing possession and letting Liverpool press... Liverpool could not do anything against it because they had Ederson. There were some scary parts on the opposite side where Allison had it, those Allison things. did not have his best game mm-hmm. today, for sure. Well, he also, yesterday. like, didn't he almost get hurt or something with Brazil or the previous game? So he did get injured in the game itself towards the end. Uh, he tried clearing a ball, and I don't know if he pulled his hammy or something, but he went down immediately. But Al- this was one this of was this. Okay, this is how much happened this weekend. <laughs> that seems like it happened la- over international break or something <laughs> because so much happened. Like, there were so many 8 o'clock games yeah. after this game that I was still catching up on watching all of them or catching highlights today to be for ready sure. for it. <laughs> Definitely not one of Allison's best games uh, in a Liverpool shirt but i mean to walk away with a one one draw and you're allison and you didn't have your best game as a goalkeeper when you make those crucial mistakes to a city team i think you're just going to be happy with the draw at that yeah. point uh, for city going forward i mean they looked like normal city they just couldn't convert that second or third goal are you worried about them at all no i'm not worried about them at all i actually think this is going to be a, and i take back my little horse comments and this is going to be a great three horse race for sure um 
I want to see how it is in February, but right mm-hmm. now Liverpool looks like they can dance with the best of them. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to that Arsenal-Liverpool game coming up. Uh, and I think these three teams can kind of give us a show. Yeah. Unfortunately, it'll probably end up being City winning it by nine points again, but <laughs> still. I, I think you're right, though. But my final thoughts on the game, I would say, is, you know, if that game alone told us anything, it's both of these teams are going to have at least 89, 90 points plus by the end of the season. Matt, what are your final thoughts? Good game to start the week, and sure. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I found myself cheering for both teams because I really didn't. It was a fun care. game. Yeah. Um, but, but where are we heading next? Yeah, so we're jumping into one of the uh, early games as well on that Saturday slate. Uh, we're going to do at home, Burnley defeat to West Ham. This was one of the games you watched, Matt. This is the one the one I watched while you were watching yep. Chelsea. 2-1 to, we- uh, to West Ham away. Matt, what were your thoughts? I don't have a horse in this race, but it was so sad watching this get stolen from Burnley. And the last seconds of the game, I mean, that Suchek goal, it went in at the 91st minute. And just, you could, when they equalized, you could just see the breath get knocked out of the Burnley Stadium, Turf Moor. And then when he scored that winner, they showed the crowd. And I just was like, I felt so bad for those people. Not even that. Uh, 39th minute, I'm pulling up the players because the Burnley winger... um Kaloshu, Kaloshu, one of the left wing, the left winger for Burnley. Uh, he got robbed of a penalty in the 39th minute in the first half mm-hmm. before they actually got the penalty a little bit later. That was pure robbery. They they did a review for VAR, did not get checked. Did, at the very least, that should be a two nil at the end of the, the first. The sounds half for coming Burnley. out of that stadium after that was just loud. Yeah. That's what I wanted from Everton fans, but we won't get <laughs> later on. Yeah. Um, they were just raining stuff, like not stuff, but they were just raining just abuse on the referee in the in West Ham. And it feels like company hasn't gotten any decisions that have gone his way this season. It seems like because this is now he's talked about it in now three weeks out of the out of what the ten games of VAR just not going his way in the last two months alone. You know, and it's 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 yeah, a shame hey, to see. So I was listening to an Arsenal podcast the other day, and they said the thing that Arsenal is like fifty fifty on decisions, and we just focus on the bad ones. Mm. A great gentleman named Clive, and I kind of agree with them on that. Unfortunately, I think that they're losing all their coin flips, and hopefully he needs to flip back around for them, and then you start getting some decisions going their way. I mean, these decisions cost you one or three points, and a team like Burnley, who you have to try and stay up to keep company's job, his job's starting to become at risk now because of the way they're playing. You know, Unless their whole plan is to go back down, get some money from the balloon payment, strengthen, and come back up. Yeah, and pick up some quality st- players because I mean, unlike some other teams, they do have a quality Premier League sure. level stadium. They don't have to invest in that; they can start investing in the pitch yeah. um, players. So maybe that we just don't know their strategy. Maybe they plan to go down yeah. because Norwich had plans to go down almost every year for a couple of years. <laughs> the best yo-yo team, I'd say. Uh, final thought on West Ham: uh, Kudus is just a special player. Um, he gave the final two assists in the last ten minutes of the game, and. Uh, He's just a special player. I, went to, I wish he went to Chelsea. <laughs> I fell into my rooting for the home team, and it for was sure. it just drained the life out of me. And then uh, what happened after that was the game after. We'll get into that later. But it just I didn't perk up until like the 89th minute of the last game of Saturday. <laughs> so final thoughts uh, for West Ham going forward. I think they're in a good, solid spot to pick up a Europa League or Europa Conference. Um yeah. And possibly defend their... Oh, no, they're still in the Europa League. 
you know, it's in a, a much, qualify. It's a much similar team than last year. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of people thought they would fall off a little bit because of the Declan Rice uh, departure, but they replaced him with James Ward-Prowse mm-hmm. and brought in Kudus, some creative talent for Moyes, who we usually don't expect him to ca- mm-hmm. get, get these types of saucy players. But and he was also at one point trying to get in uh, Calvin Phillips yeah. and McGuire, and now that McGuire's playing good, like... Dude, they could have if that investment did not look bad. If that no, would have gone through, if at the McGuire had shown up and been the wire that's been here for the last couple of games for Manchester United, they could have been like fighting for cha- not in the, in the mix for a Champions League spot because I think there's going to be five in that season. top six takes yeah. top six range. I got you. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. West Ham West Ham's a solid unit. They're going to be and they're investing that money they got from Arsenal very well. Yeah. Next game here, uh, Luton at home. Townies 2-1 win oh, for the, the Hatters against Palace for their first home win of the season. Matt, I can already tell, but what was your reaction to the game, man? I went back. This game was really boring up yeah. until the 70th minute. For sure. And then it came alive for their, from 70 to 9, uh, whatever, 100th minute it was. Let me look at my notes here. To the 103rd. Yeah. Um, it was boring bonkers man i wished i'd watched this game instead of the west ham game and burnley but i would go i'm gonna pick this the west ham game because west ham's the better of the teams left yeah and it hurt me that i was rooting against crystal palace but they're gonna stay up they're gonna be fine luton needed this win with what's happening with everton going down and we'll get to that in stoppage time um down to the bottom of the table um and the blades getting eviscerated Burnley getting just the snot kicked out of them. Luton needed these points, mm-hmm. and they got them, and it was against a team that could afford to, afford to lose them. Olise's first game back for Palace. Hits a oh, rocket left clean, a rocket left footer. Again, if Chelsea weren't talking to his agents behind the back, probably would be a Chelsea player too. But, you know, depression continues because we'll, we'll go over Chelsea here <laughs> after. But uh, I agree, man. That this this Luton team is so fun to watch, and the story is just it just makes you hard not to root for them, even though one of your second teams like yeah. Dallas. <laughs> well, and I felt bad, but it's like it it's like Crystal Palace could afford to lose a game. Yeah, Luton can't. Yeah, Luton needed a point to three points from this game with everything that happened around them. And Palace has been on great form, mm-hmm. you know, for the last several games too. Um, uh, they haven't played it's, the best. This isn't a six pointer for sure. For sure. Um, like uh, hopefully the next game we're going to talk about yeah so we'll, we'll jump right into the next one uh we're doing your cherries no no no, no. we'll we'll jump into the depression oh uh, <laughs> newcastle i was hoping to keep the good vibes going and then go into your depression <laughs> uh, newcastle i said i go in order newcastle okay. united at home 4-1 throttling against chelsea matt i'm gonna let you ask me the question this time reese what happened <laughs> I wasn't able to watch this game because it's your game and I knew you were watching it, so I was focusing on the West Ham game. I look and they're down, and then I look and they're draw, and then I look, they flash it on whatever I was watching. NBC the, the Sport. App, yeah. yeah, the app or the sling, I can't remember. And suddenly it's 3-1, to one, and then it's 4-1. to one, And I'm like, I saw the red card, but almost all that happened before the red card. <laughs> Guys, uh, I woke up about 15 minutes before the game started because I had to work. All right, I was already not in the best of mood. Um, <laughs> yeah, Saturday off. work isn't fun, man. I'll give you that. The difference between, for example, your guys' Arsenal team right now and this Chelsea team, you guys are a youth team or a young team like us, but you guys have been solidified in the Premier League where you guys can come out of an international break and perform. It may not be to your best performance, and we'll talk about you guys in a bit. Mm. But you guys have a winning mentality where versus this Chelsea team, 
it seems like you're only getting two types of Chelsea teams, one that's going to be up for it or one that's not so up for it. And that pretty much was the case. So I have a question on you on this one. So you said yesterday in text that you thought that Chelsea showed their youth. Mm -hmm. Could I also do a counterpoint? Do you think it's more youth or were they emotionally exhausted? Because they came off of taking the champions to the brink before the international break and then before that, that crazy game against Spurs. Could they have just been drained? How many players had you have le- that left to go to international duty? Did you have a large amount of them, small amount of them? A large amount. I mean, Caicedo uh, came back the day before Friday, or on Thursday, and they practiced Friday and then traveled right up to Newcastle, which is not a close drive or, or yeah. flight if they did that. So Caicedo um, didn't start, you know, for that reason. Uh, I think Enzo was showing a little bit of tiredness after the first half as well, but he was one of our only That's good true. Players. If he played for Argentina, they had some rough fixtures. They had Brazil, uh, that, that rough win thing. against Brazil, the emotional yeah. game. And then who came to their house and stole their lunch? Was it Uruguay? Uruguay, yeah. yeah. Um, to, to the point, to answer your question, uh, I think the international break came at the worst time for Chelsea. I think what benefited them was riding those highs from the Arsenal performance, the Spurs performance, the City performance. I don't think having two weeks uh, helped us at all. And it okay. gave and Newcastle, who was injured, had a lot of players rested who were able to become healthy. They had Isaac back who, score, Isaac back who scored instantly uh, to start the game. Uh, and they had two weeks to prepare for us because they don't have as many players going on international break. They had Kieran Trippier, they had Bruno, Bruno G if he went. They did not have as many players who were traveling like a Chelsea. Well, it's true because, I mean, I've traveled from I traveled from New York City to Santiago, Chile. Not a similar flight, but it's yeah. pretty close. It drained me. I didn't feel myself until two days later. And I had Economy Plus. I had yeah. the extra leg room. I could put my feet up. I wasn't getting crushed. And then you tack onto that that it's a little bit further distance coming from, you know, mm-hmm. going from England to, you know, because Ecuador and, you know, Argentina and all those places. It can take a toll on you, yeah. even if you're a professional athlete. And I'm not going to make any excuses for Chelsea because this was our worst performance uh, from what I've seen the last two months, um, probably since the Villa game or the Brentford game. Uh, well, I think in the Brentford game, you guys... We dominated. Had a bad 15 minutes at the end. Yeah, um, it wasn't a bad game. It was just a bad spell. This to me, I, well, I, I haven't, wasn't able yeah. to watch this one, but it looks like it just was bad from start to finish. Almost. Well, I could tell that we were not the same team that was up for from the previous mm-hmm. three games. Like we looked okay in the first half, and then we completely fell apart in the second half. And what I mean when I texted you, we showed our youth. Mm-hmm. We played right into Newcastle's hands. It got chippy. We started causing fouls, kind of like what happened with you guys Mm -hmm. in Newcastle, which plays perfectly into their hands because they're getting these set pieces right across half field. This is Newcastle at home, man. Yep, and they're getting these set pieces. But you did make them concede a goal at home, which is something that we couldn't do and a lot of teams have failed to do. But the thing is, is we we played right into their hands because we're giving them these set pieces right Mm -hmm. across half field, as you said, at at, uh, St. Mary's. No, 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 it's not St. Mary's. I'm not going to disrespect yeah. the stadium. Uh, no, St. Uh, Mary's isn't that one. St. James? Sir James St. Park. James Park, yes, Perfect. sir. Uh, and they're playing these dead balls against a very large Newcastle team, and Chelsea are not uh, do not have the size like the Arsenal to match up with this Newcastle group. So we played right into their hands. And, uh, yeah, just not one of Chelsea's game, but I think it's one of those dust-off games because, again, it was from international break. We didn't have Potch, you know, for on-field tactical prowess so like too many things potch was out too and then later on erickton hogg was out right but he he was not there well no he was in the stands yeah Yeah, and then what was like but i thought 
Arteta was going to be there, but Arteta was on the sidelines. I was completely like, what There's, is going on with these managers? I think it was a Premier League rule. I don't remember the rule, but I did see that there was a change in the rules where I guess certain managers weren't allowed to perform. I thought Poch got a red from his antics with Anthony Taylor afterwards, mm-hmm. but I want to give credit to Newcastle uh, because they played normal Newcastle, yeah. and that was uh, intense. And if you allow them to play get under your skin and play their way. They're like the bad boy Pistons They're hard the to NBA yeah. in the 90s. You play you play their game, they're going to they're going to punch you in the mouth and take it. Yeah. Uh all credit to Newcastle cuz that was a, a very solid performance. Uh for going forward, I'd say for Newcastle, I, as long as they keep getting their guys back, this is another scary team that's going to be in a top 4 race for sure. So, let's get into a happy game for you. Well, uh, <laughs> so so this is actually the next game on the list and I finally Pick this this team. I finally predicted the correct scoreline. Uh, Nottingham Forest two oh. to three loss to Brighton. Uh, the Seagulls finally picking up a win. Matt, what was your reaction to the game? So I wasn't watching this game. You were texting me during because your game ended and went right into it, right and then right. I caught the last minute of it. But then <laughs> I was just like, I had to go get some st- snacks for the Arsenal game. Yeah. So I was like, I wasn't watching all the antics that happened. What I found crazy was the last 15 minutes of this, after that dunk double yellow red, was just like anarchy, man. It was like watching uh, the the Royal Rumble almost. Let's jump right in. Screw the game, man. Yeah. We'll talk about the game in a second. I just want to jump into this deserving thing. You, and he didn't shake the hand of the manager. Is, he's running into the stands. No, no offense to Steve Cooper, but he he's got to be like one of the nicest guy looking guys in the Premier League. Like he doesn't seem like a guy that would talk yeah. crazy. No, if he did, I would be surprised. But there's no need for Deserby with the Brighton team that's in the Europa League right now, that's in seventh place or eighth place, to be running to the away fans without shaking Steve Cooper's hand. Well, and the other thing too is like. I don't fall into this narrative like other Arsenal fans. They always dump on us about the celebration police. But the, he's celebrating like he just won the FA Cup yeah. or a title or something. If he would have done that. And th- nobody calls him out. And then he talked trash about the referees this week. Nobody calls him out, it seems. <laughs> Except for Arsenal media. I didn't hear this anywhere else. And I thought it was a made-up story, but I had to look it up. He really <laughs> did say it. But he just, like... Like, like he just won a trophy. If he would have beaten City in that type of game, yeah. understandable. Or but you some beat top Forest. <laughs> and it was not a pretty performance either. Uh, especially, you know. That's they, like me stealing the bone from our third co host and like going to celebrate with Reese. <laughs> Why he can't do anything about it because he's uh, small. <laughs> so, uh, into the game itself. Uh, sorry, I just need to talk about that because that's just crazy. Um,. I think Gibbs White is a, a very solid, underrated player. Uh, he's probably one of Forrest's best players, for sure. Uh, he completely cooked Tyreek Lamptey all game, and he deserved two goals, but he missed an open header uh, in like the 95th minute or whatever it was, right at the end of the game to get the draw, and it's just a little heartbreaking for I was him. impressed by Alanga's opening goal, and like, I think it was under three minutes. You don't see that against Brighton. Yeah. Usually it's an elaborate set piece or something that kind of undoes him or some amazing play. He just was a went jerk somebody and went shot it right and scored. Pascal Gross was playing center left center mid today. One of my favorite uh, uh, things about Brighton is checking to see where Pascal Gross <laughs> lines up on a weekly basis. Um, they were a little bit injured uh, still. I, I don't think Matoma played. Uh, he was out. Um, but honestly, Evan Ferguson, Ferguson's got a great future. Uh, Brighton are going to get another $100 million for yeah. that guy, uh, which is they're just going to keep taking the Premier League's money yeah. at this point. 
So actually, one more thing I wanted to get into yeah. on this from you. So I want to discuss two ref issues. The other one we'll discuss later when we discuss Spurs. Good point. Good point. On this one, though, I'm getting really frustrated by the rules being enforced in some games and not in others. Yep. And one of these was the dunk cards. Um, I've seen other games where, like, I think the Spurs-Tottenham one came into play where, you know... Some of your players should have gotten some yellows, yep. and Spurs players got it. But it seems like they just seem to only enforce it for one team or the other, whichever one pisses them off first. They have audio recordings, right? Yeah. I wonder what Lewis Dunk said, because it did not seem like... Cause after, Tell your mother I said hello. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he said... It seems like he only said one or two words yeah. after he got the yellow. So he must have said something pretty vulgar to Anthony That's Taylor. Ed, yeah. But at the same time, Anthony Taylor is the most soft referee in the game. Like... Referees, unfortunately, and this is not okay in, in football, but they get abused, verbally abused oh, yeah. with what they said, and, that, and that's why they're cracking down. I think down. they deserve to get paid better. I think that whatever you're the highest paid player in the league gets on a week, the referee should get that for the year. <laughs> like, if you're paying Erling Holland 350,000 pounds a week, they should get 350,000 pounds a year. So it's a salary cap. You pay your players more, the refs get paid more, and you have to pay into that fund that pays them. <laughs> I would counter to that only because do we really think Anthony Taylor deserves to be paid? Until but this- we don't want Anthony Taylor going to Saudi Arabia or Qatar on the weekends with teams that are owned by those clubs to create a conflict of interest. He wouldn't go there if he was paid better. But why Why would we want to pay these But if guys you're paying more? them better, then you can afford to fire guys and get the better ones in. But that's the thing is who how many better referees are there out in there the, in Europe? No, I'm just saying in oh. the UK because in it's all Europe through. there's way better for referees. sure. For sure, you could like you bring in players from all around the world. Yep. Why can't you bring in referees from all around the world? I agree. Like there's referees that can handle the Azteca in a U.S. versus uh, Mexico <laughs> game and control those games and control the fans with their cards. I want those guys handling a city match, City versus Liverpool or Arsenal versus Tottenham. Those guys, you can control those cauldrons, mm-hmm. you know, and not be intimidated. And I think that if you paid them more, you could have the pick of the best referees and you wouldn't have to just get them from from the UK. And as I've said for countless weeks, uh, to answer your original question, yeah. I don't know the rules of this game anymore. Yeah, it's like, I thought that rule went away three <laughs> for the last three weeks. We come back from the initial break and now it's enforced again. It's crazy. And it only seems to be enforced for a team or a guy. And it's like... One guy can talk. Like I remember, there was the the last game. It was Spurs versus Villa, and one of the Villa the Villa captain basically told his guys to back off, and he was pointing at the referee and was very angry and discussing something. Nothing happened to him. But, but that's the, and isn't Lewis Dunk the captain of Brighton? Yeah. So, so that captain can't say anything, but the other captain can. I guess it just comes and down basically, to... Basically, I thought... Because like, only, cap- only the captains are allowed. They're supposed to talk to the referee. So, Lou, again, going back, what did Lewis Dunk say? I want to, I want, to, I want P, P and Bull, PG and Bull, whatever they're PGMOL. called. PGMOL. Yeah, whatever they're called, to release the audio for that, because if you're going to not release the audio and not explain as to mm-hmm. why uh, Lewis Dunk got the second yellow... In that heated game, at that moment, it's just like, I... Because it was, it was a penalty too. Yeah. Like it, it was, a, it was a huge turning point in the yeah. game. If you go down ten men and a penalty scored on you, I think that's why Deserby was so uh, amped up. Exactly. And I get it. And now can we get into the happiness? Yeah, sorry, Give sorry, you sorry. a happy moment because this is a feel good. I had my feel good. I had two feel good moments this weekend <laughs> that really hit my soul. You needed one because. Unfortunately, your team didn't win. <laughs> I balanced out my depression with a little bit of happiness. Uh, Sheffield United 
3-1 defeat at home to my Bournemouth Cherries. Uh, I roll it with another masterclass, but I think, honestly, this was more down to a poor Sheffield performance yes. more than a Bournemouth performance. I, I watched the highlights of this game this morning, right, uh, in between the Manchester United yeah. and Tottenham games, and it just, to me, I got back up the Peacock app on my phone and went through it kind of like four yeah. times speed. Bournemouth just looked like they had the number of Sheffield. They were outplaying them the entire game. There was too much quality uh, for Sheffield, which is crazy uh, because this is supposed to be two relegation battling teams. But Bournemouth looked like a solid mid-table Premier League side against Sheffield. But again, it looked like Sheffield was more of a championship side. What was crazy was the both the the brace from, and I'm going to butcher his name, Tavernier. Oh, Tavernier. Were, those are pretty goals, but the one that really caught my eye was the Kluvert goal. Um, that was just out of nowhere. He was just in the box and just did some magic. And before I knew it, it was two to one. And I'm like, what? I rewound it. And I was like, that was a really like, and I, J- J- Olivia Giroud stripping the, controlling the ball when yeah. he shouldn't have in the box at the end there. Tavernier uh, has to step up going forward for Bournemouth mm-hmm. if they want to stay up, which I do think they will. But in terms of them having a successful season. because the table up? Where are they at? Because he came up from, uh, he was from Rangers previously. Right now they're in 17th, so they're right outside. Respectable. The, yeah, right outside the relegation side. And um, before we end our show, we'll go over the table a little bit more with you guys. But um, Tavernier, he, he, that was his first two goals of the season. And from being from Rangers as a left wing back to now being converted basically as a second striker or attacking mm-hmm. mid or winger. You have to you have to deliver in the Premier League, so he's going to be huge for them going forward. Uh, I'm interested to see how that goes, Matt. Let's end off the Saturday slate with a little bit of celebration for you. Brentford at home for defeat. Us, I think you want the, the one of our players to do good, unless it's against you. One nil to the Goons. King Kai Havertz, 89th minute. Matt disrespected his name and just called him Kai earlier in the text message. I, I, I call him Mr. Havertz now. <laughs> Uh, definitely the unlikely guy uh, to get that game-winning goal, but you, honest- but you called it yeah. in the ch- in the chat. I was kind of just like, I'm ready to get on with the rest of my day. This has been a really busy for a nil-nil or nil-nil draw at Brentford. At least we didn't lose like I thought. I was glad I was wrong, and I'm glad that Kai got his hero moment. Yeah. I'm glad Arteta made him go to the away fans and clap them, yeah. so he could get his flowers. I'm. It was a good feel-good story. But it's been building. What are we on? 13 weeks now. Yeah. And yeah. I, I honestly think that, uh, you know, from what I – it wasn't the best Arsenal performance. Uh, Not I, at all. <laughs> I asked you about Sokka uh, yesterday about what you thought we saw from it because you watched much more in depth of the mm-hmm. game. I was working simultaneously, so I wasn't able yeah. to catch every glimpse. But um, especially at 1030 too, that's when we were busiest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sokka now, I think this is – three maybe a month now of match weeks specifically in the premier league uh, i know he's been pretty good in the champions league that we have not seen the best version from him and maybe even martinelli as well since both the our se- wingers are yeah. showing their youth mm-hmm. and i think they're being overplayed because like they both have to go to these games in the international breaks and try to sell like not actually england you didn't need to salvage anything i don't know why southgate played such a strong team mm-hmm. and you know Martinelli had to go and basically stop to try to help stop Brazil from downsliding and theirs. And I think they're just getting overworked. They're being asked to create too much because our attack has been so disjointed. And that's my question. They've both been injured. So this is leading into my actual Mm -hmm. question for you. So Gabriel Jesus came out and said that he 
uh, is more than just scoring goals. And obviously, to win the game, you need to score goals. Mm-hmm. And what you guys were so successful last season is goals. Was spreading the goals around four guys. Th- those four guys. Do you think it may, when, let's say, March, April rolls around and you guys are maybe just missing out by goal differential to City or Liverpool in this title race, do you think the issue is due to the lack of having a true number nine in that final third? Or do you think it's more of a matter of teams are starting to figure out your attack after this last season? And then lastly, the other option is, or are we just not seeing the best version of the wingers from themselves? So this is a complex question, yeah. and I don't think it's one of the very solutions. loaded questions. Yeah, I don't think it's the, the the options you gave me. What I'm seeing mm-hmm. is Odegaard is not performing, and I think he's got nursing some sort of injury in his hips or his thighs. Okay. Somewhere in there, he's not moving like he did last year. You couple that with um, getting used to Rice, no party to complement them. Havertz hasn't been firing. They've been trying him in different places around the pitch as like a Swiss Army knife. There's been very little consistency in the front line. When Martinelli was injured, Saka was healthy. When Saka was injured, Martinelli was healthy. And then on top of that, then you throw in that there's been no Jesus for almost the entire season. We've had to play in Kedia, Trossard, and Havertz. Well, actually, Havertz only played there in the, yep. the Cup, the Community Shield. Scratch I got you. that. I got you. There's no – what made us strong last year was those partnerships. Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli played almost every game. Yeah. We did have to swap out in Kedia for um, Jesus, and we did have um, Partey for – when Partey went out, that's when we struggled. But we also had Grant Xhaka there most of the season. Now everything's kind of in flux, and I really think it's starting to affect the front of Arsenal. And you can see it in the back too. We're don't we're out of a couple of def, our wingers, our back. Sorry, our fullbacks on the right and left side. We're scrounging around trying to make that work. So you said Granite Xhaka. Mm-hmm. Do you think with the injuries and you guys not having to field uh, your solidified eleven, do you think missing that? I think the biggest key, honestly, has been the lack of creativity or final third from that left eight. Uh, along with Odegaard, mm-hmm. because that left eight that Xhaka played was so key for you guys last season in your success, where he was one of your player of the seasons, honestly, uh, in my opinion. Do you think if you do not have that solidified left eight, maybe when Partey comes back and Rice pushes up a mm-hmm. little bit, maybe that doesn't work, Kai doesn't work, do you think that could be one of the downfalls for you guys because of that left eight having that? Unfortunately, I have to see where it goes. For but sure. I, I, and this is just hypothetical. I get, I get that Jacques wanted to leave. He wanted to go to live closer to home. For sure. And he wanted to be guaranteed because he wasn't going to be guaranteed football with Rice coming in. Yeah. If he stayed, you know, but nobody knew that Partey was going to be out the entire season. He may have been able to get a, you know, start every game, but he wanted guaranteed stuff so he mm-hmm. could help out Swiss, Switzerland in the Euros coming up. Mm-hmm. That's the reason that I've been advised that he moved from what I can find the mm-hmm. research, you know, by looking at doing my own research. Yeah. Uh, and. Yeah, I mean, if we had known Partey was out, he could have played the entire season and played for, a, right, well, right. maybe not higher quality. Like, it's the Bundesliga is a good league, and the team he's playing with is like in the one and two, right? He has completely been a revelation. Yeah, by Berlewerks, which is Berlewerks. crazy. Yeah. Um, so I'm not, I'm not going to throw any shade. They're going to be in the Champions League next year, and he is performing. He is playing amazing. Yeah. I just wish he was playing amazing for us because we had to go through the highs and lows with him, yeah. and I would have liked to get one more year of high out of him. Yeah. 
If you were to ask me, uh, I'm not worried for you guys about no. that left eight spot. I think one way or another, whether if it is Partey coming back or if it is King Kai Havertz hopefully stepping up for you guys soon, or Trossard, who you guys uh, experimented with today or yesterday. We, we can't do Jorginho over and over sure. and over again. He's just not physically able to do that. And Rice it gives you so much uh, solidarity with your defense that you can't really move him up yet because Partey is not back. So we're talking about doing winners and losers next week. If it hadn't been a clear winner with Kai, I would have been my my first um, uh, winner be uh, the lungs of um, Declan Rice. Gotcha. Because that man was right. huffing and puffing and was still doing like look like a track star out there. It was motorboating around the whole thing, just controlling the whole pitch, kicking goals out when Ramsdale had that almost that flub in the first half like yeah. he's playing goalkeeper with his head like the guy's everywhere he's here he's there he's every blanking where he's Declan Rice <laughs> you. Uh, for Bradford uh, one of those dust off games again you're mm-hmm. playing one of the best teams in the league you move on from yeah, those and they have a great home record and I fully expect them to be in the you know top, top 10. 10 yep top 10 uh, before we jump into the Sunday slate really quickly I did forget to mention for that Luton game Kaminsky the goalie outstanding performance i think he had the save of the weekend uh he had a double save uh in like the 39th minute that was just insane so if you, Did guys- you see the 103rd minute of that game they went and um palace had a chance to score a really good chance Another- and then they go immediately to the other pitch before they even the I 30 was- seconds i thought it was going to be that watford story when mm-hmm. he saves the pk goes the other side and scores uh Deeney when he does that goal at the other I thought it was going to be one of those I thought it was going to be one of the seeds of the century right there but didn't work out but uh, I wanted to give quick credit credit to Kaminsky because that was a great performance and a great double save from him so now we're going to go into sadness for the other half of North London <laughs> into the Sunday slate uh, this happened about three hours ago Tottenham at home defeat to Aston Villa two to one. Uh, you got to feel for the for the Spurs on this one what were you no thoughts? I think you more you have to feel for Sun yeah I was watching this game. Every goal he scored, I thought it was going in. And I was like, oh, there it goes. It's not going to be a good evening. Not going to be a good evening. And every time they blew the whistle, and only one of them did I think it was offside in the play. Yeah. And then one of the – and I'm just like, how am I missing this? And it's because the offside rule is subjective apparently. I thought this was a very fun game. Uh, One of the games Mm -hmm. of the weekend, in my opinion. Uh, For Ollie Watkins, that build-up goal for the second one was perfect. Uh, I did wake up in time for the first goal uh, for both sides. I woke up for the disallowed goal. Gotcha. Um, let me see here. It was at 21st minute. No, that was Locello's goal. The 26th minute, Varin does. Um, oh, so it was Locello that scored that, that first, first goal. goal. Okay. Yeah, it was a banger. It was one of the other goals I was going to save for the goal of the weekend. Gotcha. Out of the box, kind of just Rocket. pitched and then shot back to just outside the key, and then he clipped it in. Gotcha. And I... I, I too did right at the second half started. Uh, from what I saw, it was a very balanced game for both teams. I didn't think one deserved it necessarily over the other. I'd have to see what rewatch the first half. For the disallowed goals, I'd say Spurs edged it, mm-hmm. but I didn't think Villa played bad in a way that they should have lost the game. Um, the mate is having a son playing away where he is going to be in danger of being offsides a lot. He yep. is playing super high. Yep. And the law of averages kind of says that maybe if he had done one more, maybe it would have gone in. But 
it's the boss to cogly way man mm-hmm. i'm with it uh Credit to Villa, another good evening. Uh, I'm going to start calling Emery the Night King because it's always a good evening in in, uh, in Birmingham. And they are now up to fourth place. Mm -hmm. uh, Right behind Liverpool. Yep, two points ahead of Tottenham. Uh, Man, I've been saying this, Matt. They're going to be in that race come come into the season. So we'll we'll see. Uh, Let's jump into the last game of the Sunday slate. Everton... At home defeat, dude. I'm gonna tell you these xgs in a second. Everton at home defeat. Manchester United three nil. Everton two point five expected goals to Manchester United's two two point zero seven. Uh, a good game. It was fun, but man, it just did not go to Everton's way. Oh, Can we? Let's give credit to my boy Garnacho. Yeah. Um, I was shocked for about thirty minutes after that goal. Texted Matt like I'm still shocked. One of the goals of the season. Yes. One of the greatest bikes I've ever seen in my life, easily. Um, just an it's insane. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> that changed the way the game was going to go. For Everton sure. was stuck on the back foot, and they tried to create because they needed to win. And I've seen games where, like, Liverpool goes there and Arsenal goes there, and they're raining projectiles, and they're just shouting obscenities. And you can they're chanting so loud you can hear what they're saying. And they didn't have that fire in them that I expected. I expected them to rain hellfire on the Manchester United team. And instead, we got some rockets and a bunch of low murmurs, like the firecrackers at 14th minute. Um, it just, they, that Garnacho goal killed the game yeah. and killed the, the, the crowd's fight. They were ready to protest greed and, and injustice, and Garnacho in three minutes shut them up. Yeah. With that giant jaw of his. And I thought, you know, before the game started, I was like, man, the season Everton are kind of intense. I think this may start to lean towards the Toffees' way. Mm-hmm. But uh, Garnacho with the worldy, uh, a great goal from Martial, that third goal I liked as well. Um, I was trying to explain to my brother how the cauldrons work. And he was just like, he goes, well, why is that goal so important? I go, Tom, like I explained to him all the history leading up to the game. And I was like... Normally, Everton crowds are just throwing abuse and getting into the game and turning the referee's ear. They, that didn't happen. Yeah. Garnacho shut them up, and basically that first goal won the game. They couldn't recover. Manchester United now a solidified number six team in the Although league. Although they were fifth. No, no, no. Still oh. behind Tottenham by, by okay. two points. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, not the greatest performance, but this team just manages to get results. It was a little bit better today uh, from what we've seen previously. So uh, credit to United. Everton, unfortunately, you guys took a 10-point de- a deficit, but it is one of those games you dust off and move on because it's a top-six team, and uh, you can't always expect to, to get results from them. Yeah. Uh, before we jump into our break, uh, I just want to give a quick little table update for, for our people here. Uh, right now in 20th place, it is Burnley. Uh, with 32 points, I don't, or sorry, four points. I don't think the Everton points have been deducted yet, or have they? They've been deducted. They dropped down to, they were bottom of the table at the start of the weekend. So, okay. So what I'm showing here is Burnley with four points. It's a goal differential. Everton's got the best goal differential on the bottom because they're at negative three, I think. Or no, negative six now, right? I don't know. Because this, uh, so I'll go, I'll go into it. I want you to let me know if this has been, if the points have been deducted. So, uh, Burnley has four points at, at 20th. Sheffield has five at 19. Luton with nine points. Bournemouth with 12 points. And uh, Fulham are also tied with 12 yeah, points. Yeah, because Everton was out of the cellar. They were in like 14th or 15th last, uh, at the end of last week or the last week of play. Gotcha. They're down there. And the thing that's saving them is that goal differential they got. 
Okay, so they're actually in 19th now. Okay. Yeah, Everton has negative six. They went into this game negative three. They let Man United put three past them. That keeps a negative six. So, Burnley's at negative 22. So, Sheffield's at negative 23. So, guys, with that being said, it's Burnley, Everton, Sheffield, and the Luton Townies right now the are Hatters. Out, they are outside of the relegation zone. Same so. with your Bournemouth Cherries. Yeah, I 12 mean, points. this is a... Uh, again, guys, we're going to be tracking this all and season And I didn't realize Fulham... I knew Pat, uh, Forrest were down there. I thought Fulham was a little bit higher and... They um, play tomorrow. They were one of my relegation teams mm-hmm. uh, for this reason. I'm uh, just not very high on them. Uh, to give us the top six, uh, you know, because everything else, you know, we pretty much know. Uh, United's in the sixth. Tottenham with 26 points in fifth place. Villa into the top four with 28. Tied with Liverpool in third. Man That's City crazy. in second with 29 points. And Matthew uh, with his Arsenal team is first in the league. So. Uh, on that note, I don't want to give Matt his time to speak about <laughs> Arsenal being first in the league. We're going to take our break. We'll be right back with you guys. Thank you, guys. <laughs> All right, guys, we are back with the second half. Predictions. Uh, I just want to get started off with a uh, little disclaimer. There's a Monday game tomorrow between Wolves and Fulham. If anything crazy happens, we'll see if we can do a podcast, but most likely our schedules are going to prohibit that. Um, so we probably won't be putting anything out, but in case it's like ten to zero to Wolves or something, ends up we four can, four, or yeah, something or something crazy. like that. We yeah. can make the we we can make the time, but we don't want to make the time if it's just a one nil to Wolves. No offense to the Wolverhampton Wanderers. We just want to put out the best content for you guys because the first special you guys can kind of tell that me and Matt we're better as a duo, duo rather not than as separate. <laughs> Matt, kick it off with our Saturday slate with our predictions for next Luton week. at Brentford. The Hatters coming off a victory face Brentford coming off a last-second defeat. So Brentford's going to be at home. Uh, unfortunately for the Townies, I only see this going mm-hmm. one way. Uh, I I do have it a little bit different than what you may have it as. I'm going to go with just a 1-0 win to the Brentford Bees. I originally thought a draw until I realized it was at Brentford. I'm going to go with a 2-0 um, for Brentford. Gotcha. What's next? And next up, we have Wolves at Arsenal. One of those underrated games, man. Uh, I'm thinking 3-2. Wolves uh, to the Gunners. To the Goons? Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wolves are a solid defensive side. Um I think Arsenal just have too much quality. It, and Arsenal being at home, one of the tougher places to play in the Premier League. With as one of the underrated games I just said, I still think it'll be a one-sided Goons win. I'm going with a 2-1 win to the Goons. So we're pretty close. One goal difference. Yeah. Okay. All right. Next up, we have Sheffield United at Turf Moor for Burnley. Six-pointer. Huge mm-hmm. for the relegation battle. Uh, Sheffield and Burnley both, and I want to put this with all caps, need points, uh, especially if they're going to be competing with Everton down there in the relegation battle. Do you think it's going to be a draw, or what do you got? So... I think it's finally time. Uh, Vincent Company deserves uh, a win at home uh, at Turf Moor. Me I'm, too. I'm going with a 2 0 win. Oh, I'm going 1 0 to Burnley. To the Burnley? Okay. At Turf Moor. Because that was, that was, it was heartbreaking to watch that rip from those people at the last second of the game. It's hard for me to pick Sheffield uh, because they just lack so much quality mm-hmm. um, and they just can't really score goals. And it's just. Yeah, a, and- the only time I ever saw them look good this season was against Manchester United up until they <laughs> they didn't. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay, next up we have Everton visiting Nottingham Forest. Man, another... I don't want to say a six-pointer because I can see Nottingham Forest being right outside that portion, but I'm going to lean towards it being a six-pointer. I think a this six is pointer. a six-pointer. Yeah, we'll lean towards it being a six-pointer. Because I think Forest, Fulham, 
and everyone from them down is in this fight because yeah. it's not a lot separating them. Because if Luton win, then they're ahead of Forrest and Forrest gets shoved down. Yeah. For Everton, uh, you wouldn't have needed points uh, two weeks ago, but now you need points. Um, I do think they're going to put in a good performance. Uh, I do think we'll see more of the Deitch V formation. We didn't see it much uh, mm-hmm. against Manchester United, but I think they're going to go back to their grassroots, and I can see a 1-0 win. To I think this is a team they can play it against because I don't think they're going to have a goal of the season scored against them in three minutes <laughs> like they did, unfortunately, this weekend. It just killed them. Uh, so for that reason, I'm going to go with a 1-0 win to the Everton. I got 2-1 to Forrest. I think they're going to get a goal at home, but I think Calvert-Lewin's going to get a brace or something, or they're going to get a fluke goal and a Calvert-Lewin so, goal. Nottingham Forest is at home, so you have 2-1 to Forrest or Everton? No, 2-1 to Everton. Forrest is going to get a goal at home. Gotcha. Sorry if I misspoke. You're good, you're good. What's next, Forrest, man? Manchester United at Newcastle. Huge game. Uh, right now, Newcastle is in seventh place, I believe, um, and Manchester United is, is in sixth place uh, with one point separating them. So a real six-pointer for not only the top six race, but for the top four race as a whole. Um, I think that Fortress St. James's Park is going to continue. It's going to be 1-0, though, to one, Newcastle. So you think it's a tough, tough mm-hmm. win? Yeah. With what I've seen from Manchester United over the last couple weeks, months, uh, I'm going to go with a Newcastle win as well. But I do think it will be one of those games where Manchester United fans are going to start asking questions. And it's going to be a 3-0 throttling to the Newcastle Geordies. What's next for us, Matt? Your Chelsea at the bridge hosts Brighton. Yeah, I, it really depends because both of these teams have two sides to them, uh, a team with quality and a team with no quality, a team that shows up with a team that no sh- that doesn't show up. So, Matt... I Chelsea just, shows up, they just show up sporadically. <laughs> I don't know if I could choose... I don't know if this is going to be a real well, prediction. So, my thing is on this one, I'm going to say my piece. Chelsea shows up and is good against the teams that play good. I want to see how you guys shape up against Brighton and Aston Villa this season. Yeah. Um, simply because of the fact that of the teams that play their football, those guys are like the A and B to the Liverpools, the Newcastles, Arsenals, and Man Cities. Those teams have their style and they play their way. And unfortunately, you guys played in Newcastle. Brighton plays their way with what the slight, I want to say it's slightly lower caliber of player, but they are the team that the other teams go to to get the good players from. It's a very front-footed team, um, yeah. and I think with them being so front-footed, it does leave holes for Chelsea to explore. But it also is, you know how they are, they play, and they don't sit back. They attack, and in most of those games, you guys have shown, like against Spurs, against Man City, against Arsenal, that you can do it. Brentford's one of those teams, but I you did good until the last 15 minutes of the game. Um, I actually have this. Do you want my score? 2-0 to the Blues, to Chelsea. I hope, man. I hope. Um, I'm still thinking in my head of what I want to say. They're going for to that the lemon result. batch. They're going to get some lemons, and they're going to win. I need Nico Jackson to be uh, taking a step, but I can't expect someone to take a step so early in their career uh, this early. Um, so I think it's going to come down to having Cole Palmer and Raheem Sterling step up huge if we want to win this game. And I think with Brighton struggling, I am going to finally pick my team. For the first time in this podcast history, I'm going to pick a Chelsea 1-0 win. I think I picked your team to win more than you have. Uh, I got I got too much. Uh, uh, I'm scarred for life, man, after last season. 
Gotcha. All right, so what was your score? Uh, one nil to the Blues. One nil to the Blues. All right, next up we have Fulham going up to Merseyside to see Liverpool. Uh, you mean Anfield? Or is that the Anfield, same thing? Anfield, sorry. Oh, okay. Merseyside is the... Everton. Yeah, gotcha. Sorry, my bad, my yeah. bad. Oh, you're good. See, you could get you could you could uh, mess those ones up as long as you're not saying Donetsk and Sakrep. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I had to take yeah. that shot. No, my bad, man. Hey, there's a lot to memorize. We're talking about multiple continents. Sorry, uh, I think we can only see this game going one way. I mean, unless Fulham throttles Wolves tomorrow four nil or something, nothing's really going to change my mind. Uh, I think this is going to be a three nil comfortable win for Liverpool. Four for me. Four to the pools. Would not surprise me. Matt, what's our next game? Uh, Crystal Palace visit the. East side of London to play West Ham at the uh, Olympic Stadium, the mm. London Stadium. This is going to be an interesting game, um, man. There's a developing rivalry here. Crystal Palace is starting to get some rivalries there, big with Brighton, yeah. and they're starting to have some some issues with West Ham. But ultimately, I think that West Ham has shown that they are a semi-clutch team, and they're going to win this one to zero. I'm not mad at that. Quick question for yeah. you. Are these only games on Saturday? Why is there no Sunday slate? I don't know. I didn't put Saturday or Sunday in my notes. Are you seeing all Saturday? All Saturday. So I guess... No Sunday? Must be some sort of holiday or something's well, going on. Well, you're going to be over it... here early and we're probably going to have to rewatch these games all Saturday. I hope you don't work next Saturday. I do work next Saturday. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so guys... Uh, you sorry. dictate the time on Sunday we record. I got so you. I I'll, got I'll you. work around you because I got my Saturday off. <laughs> I think I'm with you on the prediction. Sorry guys, I didn't realize it yeah. was a Sunday slate till just now. Or not a Sunday slate till just now. Um... West Ham uh, has been good. Uh, they didn't. They weren't really good the first 60, 70 minutes against the Townies of Luton uh, this past week, but I agree with you. I think it'll be a very close contested, but I have it 1-0 to West Ham. Gotcha. All right, next up we have Aston Villa going to the south coast to Bournemouth. All of these games are at the same time. Oh, this is gonna suck. All right, we'll have to coordinate then and pick who watches what. I got you. So uh, we get an even slate. You so, get Chelsea, obviously. I get Arsenal. And them. Everything else is just between yeah. us. All right. Sorry. We'll talk about this after. I don't want to take time away from the people. Um, so Villa at Bournemouth. Do you think it's going to be a good evening? Do you think the Night King reigns supreme again? I, I think so. Uh, Irola is my guy. Uh, I'm going to roll with the Bournemouth and the Cherries all season, but sometimes you just got to dust off and move on after a throttling, and I think that's what's going to happen. 3-0, and it's a good evening to the uh, Ooh, I'm picking 0-0 draw. Okay. I'm thinking the the Southern Dandy was able to hold the Night King at bay. My only counter to that is simply because Bournemouth plays such a certain style of play and are front footed, and I just feel like Villa is so clinical. Mm-hmm. When like what they did against Spurs, if you make mistakes, they're gonna kill you. Uh, so that's my only reason. I completely see why though. I believe in I roll like you do, so I'm cool with it. Matt. All right, the last <laughs> game of the weekend, fairly all on Saturday. Hopefully, this is a different time. Uh, Spurs. Go north to Manchester City. Also, the nine- damaged <laughs> mates travel north. This is also at 7 a.m., just like all the other games. All at 7 in the morning, Arizona time. So if you if there's any Arizona listeners out there and you watch football, expect to only maybe watch about half of a game because I assume most oh. of you guys if will be. If they're all at 7, then I'll take Arsenal Wolves and you'll take Chelsea... And then from there, we'll Brighton. just watch. Yeah, we'll and be we'll, watching replays all day. Hopefully, much. some of these big ones are on Peacock and we can watch them all. For sure. Sunday morning, of, Saturday morning of football. I thought this game would be insane uh, a couple weeks ago, but with the injuries to Spurs, mm-hmm. uh, it's unfortunate uh, with Madison and, and Van Deven and 
Romero wasn't even there today either, right? Yeah, because he had a three-game suspension from your game. So that means he misses the City game as yep. well. Wow. And then so. he'll be back after that. With what I've seen from City, I know they didn't look good against Chelsea, but they looked much better against Liverpool, and they deserve three points. In my opinion, I do think City are going to have a much uh, uh, satisfied performance. 2-0 two, two, two to, uh, to the City. Okay, I have 3-1 to City, but Fair. I'm going to ask you a question on this. So you called Ange courageous for playing that high line against you guys. Do you think he's going to continue to play the way they play against? And if that's the case, I think Pep's going to just take him to school. I think he is. Uh, He's been saying that we're going to play a certain way. This is my philosophy. This is how I see football. If he continues to play, like we said, uh, I believe not last week, but the week prior Mm -hmm. when we did our podcast, that maybe it is best for Spurs to just lock down the fort and go back to their old ways until they get their players back. But Bostacago is not that type of guy. Yeah, and I'm a little worried. That's why with all the injuries, I'm I'm doing a 4-1. I really think that there's going to be some some, uh, old school city rain and fire on them. I agree. Uh, which is unfortunate. But, guys, uh, again, from what I'm seeing, and I'm going to double-check right now, all of these games are next Saturday at one time. So if you guys have any idea as to why that is... Shoot us an email. It's in the show notes. Never mind. So my website was lying to me. Oh. These are two separate days. Oh. Uh, there is going to be games on Sunday. I think the website's just glitched that I'm using. Uh, it's an XG website, so we'll gotcha. let them slide. But... My apologies, guys. We're all good. Sunday, 9.30 is going to be primetime Man City for Spurs. Uh, Chelsea, Brighton, 7 a.m. Sunday. Arsenal, Wolves, 8 a.m. on Saturday. And then the big one is going to be... You had me me like, is this final Sunday again? (laughs) Like, what is happening? Newcastle, Manchester United's primetime, 1 p.m. on next Saturday as well. So pretty late in the day. Um, Guys, uh, take a break and do some stoppage. Yes, sir. We'll be right (laughs) back with you guys. All right, we are back again with stoppage time, guys. All right, Reese. I know you said you were working on a question, but I have one set up already here. Um, with Everton getting a 10-point deduction and talk of Spurs getting a deduction, you guys have also now come in the conversation for what Roman Abramovich's actions are with uh, transfers of alleged, you know, buying gifts for people and all sorts of stuff. Um, Along with you, Manchester, Manchester yeah, City. Just say, I, I said them earlier, but yeah. Oh. Um, are you worried that you're going to get lumped in with City as a big offender, even though I feel bad because your new ownership did report these in, in um, indiscretions once they discovered them after looking at the books that they weren't allowed to look at when they purchased the team? Um, I think that, unfortunately, Chelsea was sold in an inflated price, and I already think Bully paid his damages because it should have been a discounted price for damaged goods. Now, I don't, I'm an Arsenal fan, and I... You guys have stolen so many players and disrupted the London market from me. Um, but ultimately, are you worried that Chelsea may get drug into this um, situation that's developing with them seeming to want to punish everybody before they punish City? So the FA has come out and said that they are going to be much more strict with the financial fair play breaches going forward and any sort of uh, team-led air, uh, offenses that they are going to be happening. They're going to be. That's why Everton got a 10-point deduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also said that there is no time stamp. If you made these errors, you are going to be penalized. But that, in the in yeah. city in Chelsea's defense, I am. I agree. You made Bowley pay four billion dollars for this club that should have gone for a billion because you knew there were problems. Any person looking at this team, and I know you have rose colored or sorry blue tinted glasses on, but 
anyone looking at this saw that this was an oligarch's plaything, and they were going to open those books and they were going to see problems. And as soon as they saw them, they said, hey, guys, here's what we found. I think they should have some deductions, but nothing crazy. Yeah. Uh, it's almost like you admitted mistakes from a previous owner. Yeah. And they're like, well, that sucks for you. The only, I'll provide you my opinion. But I don't think they should be punished because you already forced them to pay a higher price tag for an asset that anyone looking at it, any accountant could see there's something going on here. I'm going to provide you two perspectives, uh, which kind of tie into my opinion. The first perspective I'll give to any other fan of a different team. Uh, the main reason that they reported this was because there was alleged payments to the agent or gifts, as you said, to Eden Hazard's agent, mm-hmm. who was in process of actually possibly go- going to join Arsenal. Uh, but because of that whole scandal, he ended up going to Chelsea. That's about eight trophies, nine trophies that he won, ten trophies maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could, I'm could. i obviously just guesstimating yeah. here that he won, and that's over the span of a decade that he was at Chelsea for. Yeah. If he joins Arsenal, you could be looking at a totally different Arsenal team uh, and, a, and a totally different Chelsea team. Um, so if I'm in the perspective of being a fan of another club, why shouldn't you be penalized for, although you have a new ownership and they reported these, the 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 penalty the penalty should still stand. I think they should be punished as an Arsenal fan because we're loaning a goalkeeper right now, so we could stay within financial fair play rules. Um, but as a just person, I don't think punishing Todd Bowley in this instance is something that should be fair because you wouldn't let him get a discount price on this team. You wouldn't stand up to Roman and just strip that asset from him and sell it. If you had done that and Bully had paid a billion for Chelsea, then I think it's up to, you know, he can be punished. But when he has to pay four billion more, billion with a B, not million with an M, bravo, not Mike. <laughs> I think Bully's already suffered. I Maybe they should have trophies stripped, but I don't think they should have points deducted from them. Trophies reall- maybe not reallocated because I hate that. I'm not a big fan of that. The, you know, Giving a trophy to somebody yeah. else even though they didn't win. And when, there's only one instance where I think that that should happen, and it's if that Barcelona Champions League against Arsenal. And it's it's only because the refs were bribed in that game, and it wasn't a blowaway game. But with the seasons, I don't think that trophy should be reallocated. I think if the trophy gets stripped, it just is a – like in in wrestling, they call it an um, I forget the vacated title. I think it should just be a vacated title. So, I'll give you my opinion. Um, Ref fixing is different to me than financial problems. I don't think Chelsea deserve a point de- to deduction because they reported this and it was under a previous ownership. Mm-hmm. But I do think they deserve some sort of penalization. Yeah. I don't agree with the vacated titles because. At the end, he was a Chelsea player. He fulfilled his contract. He ended up leaving for a fee. What should be the punishments then? So this is getting into my point. He was sold for $80 million. He was bought for around $12 million. I think the just thing to do if this was all transfer-related, a transfer ban. Uh, Chelsea have invested heavily. Let me cook. Let me cook. <laughs> okay. Chelsea have invested heavily into the market over the last 12 months. Probably more... Then they've had the most turnaround than any other team in terms of selling and buying players, and they are probably one of the big reasons as to why the market is so inflated. Because we spent one fifteen on Caicedo, sixty eight on Mudrick, or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. All these inflated prices, more than what they should have gone. I thought for. it was like a hundred and something. That's that was the inaccurate thing. It wasn't actually a hundred mil for Mudrick, um, but 
I think the just thing is to have a transfer ban because you've bought 20,000 players over the last 20, 12 months. I feel like a one-year transfer ban for a January and summer window is the only fair thing to do uh, because you can't take away trophies because the player fulfilled his contract. There's other players that are on the team that contributed to it. So it leads into a follow-up then. If you don't believe that this, the title should be vacated, uh, what about City? So, <laughs> because yeah. this, you guys are now unfortunately being tied in with City as the big movers and shakers in this. Although they are a totally different type of case, which yeah. is unfortunate. Um, as for City, this is now. But I hate from what I'm hearing, you guys are both getting painted yep. with the same brush. Tottenham and Everton are getting painted with the same brush. Yep. It's unjust for Tottenham and Everton, and everyone wants you guys' blood. I'm kind of in. The, I'm trying to stay in the. Um, Neutral. Not neutral, because I do think that you both teams should be punished, but I don't think that the stripping of trophies and people saying that the de- ten, you know thousand point deduction for City and they'd be playing nationally, that's not what happens. They'll just be in the championship next year and they'll come right back up. The reason this happened to Rangers up north is because their ownership was in such financial trouble and such breaches that the league decided Same. to move them down to the fourth tier. The league is not going to move Manchester City down to National League or National League North or even League Two. There's too much funding that they've given mm-hmm. to the Premier League and the economy yeah. for England as a whole in Manchester. Yeah. Uh, the owners are rebuilding entire sections of Manchester and renovating it. If they go down, they're going down for one season, they're coming right back up. My issue is the fact that this is now the third time that they're being investigated for FFP. Uh, back in 2019, I think, was the year I was graduated high school. Uh, I think... Don't don't laugh at me. <laughs> sorry, uh, <laughs> you just made me feel super old right now. <laughs> sorry, man. Sorry. Uh, so 2019, I think, is when they had their most recent FFP breach, and they got a slap on the wrist because they have some outstanding lawyers. They got a January transfer ban, which is basically like telling City, "Hey, you guys are not going to be penalized. We know you've already been spent a billion in the summer, so you can just have this January transfer ban. You'll be right back into the summer mm-hmm. window." You can't now breach it for a third time and not be penalized a little bit further. Um, That's why I think it's separate from Chelsea because although Chelsea made the mistake, as you said, it's a different ownership and they reported it. Yeah, Um, that's where I think things are different. It's like I just bought a house and if I had found that, you know, there's like a mongoose living in the walls, I have to deal with the mongoose living in the walls, but... I could sue the previous ownership. Yep. They can't sue him because now he's in Russia and he's like exactly. they're under sanctions and everything. So it's it's a it's a tough case. Um, what do you think a valid city uh, penalization would be? Do you think a points deduction is what should be the the penalty? And I don't want you to provide an Arsenal perspective no. on this. I honestly think because they've done it for so long, I think however many years the valid the the um, allegation not the allegations if. For every year they prove it, they should have a transfer ban for that many years. That will go into effect and possibly going into relegation because they can't bring in new blood. And the city team is getting a little older. Um, and we've like they're re- kind of in like a rebuild too. Yeah. So you can either halt. So or if they've been proven that for six years this happened, give a Jan- not six windows, six years double ban, Jan- November and summer. Sorry, January and summer. Then you'll see that they may start to drop off because. I mean, they have a strong academy, but I don't think an academy can level the challenge that they have. 
And if you have a transfer ban, um, some people may want to leave if all the money's not flowing and they're under. And I also think that maybe an independent body should be there to keep an eye on their transfer books. They should have their books open. So shouldn't that already be a thing? It should be. And I think that maybe that should be the thing that goes down to City and Chelsea is that somebody's auditing their books in real time. They're not providing the information to the league. They're The league is watching them do it and putting the numbers and being like, come on, man. <laughs> I'm with you. Uh, and I think with, uh, you know, personally, for, for City, I think you really, if you're a title contending team like a City or an Arsenal or even you know, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. yeah, a points deduction at this point in the season, like Everton, mm-hmm. would just be a little over the top. Yeah. And I think that's why Everton were poorly, poorly decisioned by that 10-point deduction. Again... I thought it should have been they should have started out at negative 10 next season. Yeah. If anything, because you're yeah. ruining the season that they've had, but at the same time to counter that, you if you if that ten point deduction happens last season, they're they're being relegated and mm-hmm. Southampton or one of those teams it's is staying, staying up. up. So it's it's uh it's an interesting concept. Um it is something we'll have to keep an eye on, especially for all three of those big teams. So on that note, um, I think we had a good discussion today in regards to our stoppage time. Uh it is something we'll have to, to definitely keep an eye on moving forward if if uh we think that these teams are going to be actually penalized even further and i think that chelsea and man city if punished their punishment will be next season um i don't think that they're going to interfere in chelsea because they're not in a relegation fight but if you deduct them some points it's going to hurt them going forward and i don't want the asterisks because if just like arsenal beating city this season we had that there was no rodri (laughs) asterisks yeah we finally get our win, and then people say it with an asterisk. I don't want to – Liverpool or Arsenal win the title. I don't want to – well, City got moved down to the bottom of the table and then you know relegated. Honestly, for Chelsea, if they get 10 points deducted, they are literally at one point above Luton in 18th place. So definitely – or Everton, whoever's in that 18th spot. So definitely with you, man. Matt, another great episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are very happy the Premier League's back. Some big games next weekend. Uh, and we're excited to beat you guys next Sunday. Matt? We'll see you there. Live long and watch some football, guys.